0: Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, praise God. I have the awesome opportunity to speak to you today um, from Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 19 through 27. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and lay a foundation of something that the very... Um, that is important for you and I to understand before we get to that it really starts with the story of Job the story of Job what happened with Job was Job um, was a man that was upright before God he actually was a it was a very wealthy man he was a man that was uh feared God Job was a man that you know was loved by everybody and one day Job and God has this convers- job has this conversation, you know um oh, I'm sorry, the devil has a conversation with God, and the devil was talking about it, yeah, yeah, job, yeah. Yeah, he, God is telling him, you know, have you considered my servant Job? Because he's upright. I mean, Job was repenting for people. Every day Job got up, he prayed. Job's life was in order. He put God first in everything that he did. And then he would even repent for his kids if he thought they made a mistake. He would just every morning just give a sacrificial offering, just, just in case my kids mess up, Lord. Yeah, I'm giving this sacrificial offering. Job loved God. And then so God had this conversation with the devil one day and he's saying to him, hey, where you going? He says, yeah, I'm coming back from here. And then the devil says, you know, talks to, him, talks to God about the servant Job. And he says, yeah, the reason why Job is so faithful to you, the reason why he's the way he is, because you have a hedge of protection around him. But if you remove your hedge, I'll get him to curse you. I'll, I'll get him to, you know, to, to just turn the other way. And so God was like, "Oh yeah." God was so confident in Job's love for him, he was so confident in the way that he feared him, that he said, "Okay, I'll remove my head, my hedge around him, and all. What happens is all hell breaks loose. You guys know the story. Jobs get hit. Job he gets hit from the the left, the right. He gets hit from the front. He gets hit from the back. All of a sudden." You know here's these men in the field, and they're like, "Hey, something just happened. lightning just came out of nowhere, killed all the shepherds and all the sheep." Then, uh, then you know, Job finds out, you know, his, his kids and everything gets killed, and um, gets killed in a fire. I mean, just, just all this stuff just, Job, Job is like, "But I want you to see what Job said. This got to me. He said, "All this stuff is happening. If Job is losing everything that he has, then Job says something. He says in verse 20 of chapter 1, he says, then Job arose and tore his his robe. That's what you do when you were mourning. And he shaved his head. He took away all his glory. He shaved his head. And then Job, this is what he said, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. I just couldn't get past that verse. Not that Job was falling out. Oh, my God. What happened to my kids? I've served you. I've been faithful to you. How can you do this to me? No, it says that Job fell to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. What was Job saying? You know what? I ain't going to have nothing when I leave here. I came in his world. I didn't have nothing, and when I leave this world, I can't take nothing with me. I can't take a single thing with me. So then Job is saying, he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. You know what I find interesting about Job is Job, he does not give the devil no credit. Hmm. You're going to see it in a minute. He does, and in fact, he says, it, it says, in all that Job did and all that Job said, he did not sin or charge God wrongly. He did not sin or charge God wrongly. And it, so said in, in, in uh, Job chapter 13, you read it. He said, though you slay me, I will trust in you. Job did not give, give the devil any credit. He knew that his life belonged to God. Job knew that God was in control of his life. He knew that whatever happened, that God had allowed it to happen. And I would look back over my life, going through the worst and the, hard, the hardest trials of my entire life. I could not get past the fact that God allowed it to happen. So if God allowed something to happen in my life, in your life, then whatever is meant for evil, God can turn around for the good. So you see this. He says, he says though you slay me. He didn't give the devil no credit. He said, I will trust in you. And then he said this, because you got to understand, Job's friend came to him. I think it was chapter 3. They came to him, and he was, he's talking to him, and he said, hey, hey you must have sinned against God. You must have did something bad. And God was like, no, that ain't it. Matter of fact, Job had to pray for his friends because they was accusing him falsely. Come on. But Job interceded for his friend and got friends and God forgave him. Sometimes people say the wrong stuff. Have you figured that out yet? While you going through something. Man, why you had to say that though? Jesus. Lord have mercy. Sometimes we say the wrong thing when somebody going through stuff. Instead of waiting. But I want you to, I'm saying all this because the Apostle Paul, he had to have read the story of Job. Because he was a man that read. He was a man that knew the word of God. And so he had, because the first thing he does is he quotes what Job said. The very beginning of verse 19. You can see it here. But let me go back. It says, though you slay me, I will trust you. I will surely defend my ways to his face. It says, indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. Somebody say, this will turn out for my deliverance. So you see here in verse 19, and you can put it on. Matter of fact, if we have that, verse 19, we should just, you you see that. Yeah, it says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. My God. That's serious right there. So in verse verse 119, it says deliverance, that's the Greek word. It's spelled S-O-T-E-R-I-A, soteria. And it means to rescue from danger. And so often it's translated salvation. So this trial that you came in here with this morning, I want you to see the way because God put these stories in the Bible so that we can know how to respond when we are in a situation. See, the reason why Paul was able to respond the way he was responding was because he had read what Job did. And he knew the end of the story, how God had blessed Job and how God had gave him double for his trouble. He knew that he had to have the right response with his tongue. And so he said, he starts off and he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, for my salvation. And it means God is going to deliver me from this danger. It is often translated salvation. You know, Corrie Tim Boone, I don't know if you know who that is. She's a powerful woman, woman of God. Corrie Tim Boone was, um, actually she was German, and her family What they did was they started to help the Jews when when the Jews was getting killed and they hid Jews in their home and they knew they were hiding them. So, Corey gets arrested and I'm telling you the things that happened to her. If you ever seen the, the movie The Hiding Place or read the book, you will see that this woman had every reason to hate the Germans. But God... Had taught her to pray for him. I mean, it's just a serious movie. But she used to say this quote. She used to say, there is no ditch so deep that God is not deeper still. I'll be like, whoa, whoa. There is no ditch so deep. My dad used to sing, there is n- not a mountain. There is not a mountain that he won't help us climb. There's no cloud so dark That the sun cannot shine, and there's not a time he won't relieve your aching heart. There is truly nothing, nothing, nothing too hard for God. Come on. It says here in the word Spirit of Jesus Christ that phrase it parallels with the new testament and the old testament and there's a lot of scriptures john 7 3 and 9 first peter 4 and 14 job 33 and 4 but it parallels and it links jesus to god the father and so um often it, it is distinguished the spirit of jesus elsewhere it co-identifies jesus and so i want you to see here that he's talking about the spirit of jesus the spirit of god so paul faced with imprisonment um And the threat of death and not only that uh from his fellow christians the animosity the provocation and yet yet he was confident somebody say confident oh i'm getting excited now yet he was confident he was confident that this was going to turn around he was confident that it would end well for him Hmm. he was confident thank you lord jesus so he, he, replied, he relied on the prayers, it says here. He relied on the prayers of those, his friends. Somebody say prayer. prayer. is powerful. You know, was something we were in Los Angeles on the other day, and, and here it was. Uh, I get a call from Pastor Patrick's wife, Marlena, and she says, I need for y'all to pray right now. See, it's very important to know who's going to pray for you. Know somebody that can pray. So he said, this is going wrong. We got a car got side swiped. This is going wrong. That is going wrong. The toilet in the hotel ran over. Wait a minute. All these things can't be happening at once. I need y'all to pray because we are experiencing some demonic activity right now. And I'm not sure what it is, but I know that you're going to pray for me and you're going to get a prayer through. See, Paul had this attitude. He says, I know that you're praying for me. <laughs> Thank y'all for praying for me. You know, it's something when you pray for somebody, even though I I know I'm not always right. (laughs) I know I can have some issues, and I appreciate you praying for me. Like, I'm going to pray for you because nobody's perfect, you see? So here it is. They're praying for Paul. So Paul's faced here with imprisonment. He's faced with death. He's faced with animosity. He's faced with provocation. Here he is, and he's relying on the prayers of the people. He's relying on the prayers of the saints. And that Greek word there, and he says help, is translated, that Greek word translated help indicates both of generous provision and undergirding of strength. So Paul knows that it's going to have undergirding of strength. He knows that it's going to, do you know how it's going to end up for you? Oh, come on, somebody, I'm going somewhere, I promise. Do you know how it's going to end up for you? Hmm. He has the assurance of deliverance is of the kind that is described in 2 Timothy 4 and 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me, he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The Lord will. So Paul has no confidence in that his acquittal would come from the earth, from the natural realm. Paul understands that there is a heavenly courtroom. He understands that, oh, y'all don't hear me. He understands that there is a heavenly courtroom. He understands that this case has to be heard in heaven. Ah. So he has no confidence in this earthly realm. I remember going through something here. It was something crazy. I called my brother Ralph. He's a lawyer. I'm like, Ralph, I need help. All we did was help somebody have a funeral. Next thing you know, we were being sued. I'm like, this man is lying. And I, I don't give him nothing, Ralph. We ain't giving him nothing because he lied. <laughs> oh, he needs, oh, he needs, no, no, no. Ralph is like, no, Portia, that's not the way you do things. You just need to, you just need to chill. I don't care, he lying, no. He lying, he don't deserve nothing. Don't give him nothing, he lying. You know, God don't always do things the way that we want him to. How how many of y'all figured that out? That God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so God put people in our lives like Brother Ralph the lawyer, and he says, you know, this is what you need to do. Thank God for people with wisdom. Because me, I'll be in trouble. So I said, okay, Ralph, we're going to listen. I'm going to humble myself. Jesus, whatever you want to do, if you want to give this to the man, Lord, whatever, if you want to give it to him. God, you see he lying on me, though. You see he's lying, though. God, you see. Lord, you know, you should just wipe him out. <laughs> when is the angels coming with the sword to knock his behind out? But I want you to fall. He doesn't talk like that, though. It says according to my earnest in verse 20 in verse 20 it says according to my verse 20 verse 20 there he goes according to my earnest expectation and hope that is in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death woo my God when that word boldness right there is a the Greek word is used, and it refers to, be, to have courageous speech. How are you speaking for God? See, Paul, he was different. Job, he was different. They were an example for us. They were an example of how we're supposed to speak. There was, oh, come on, somebody. Here it is. They had boldness of speech that Paul planned to continue speaking out for the gospel's sake. I'm going somewhere. So he trusts that Christ will be honored regardless of whether he lives or dies. Paul has one supreme ambition, that Christ will be exalted in his body. Oh, my God. See, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why Job, when he went through all of that stuff, what it says was he bowed down and he worshipped. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, he understood. He said, I want God to be magnified. I want him to be exalted in my body. Come on. That Christ would be seen by others by the way that I live. By what I say, by what I do, oh, that Christ would be seen clearly in his true greatness. You know, Jesus said, it's not I. Come on. So the word translated here, eagerly expected, means straining forward with an outstretched neck. It implies turning aside from All other interests it implies having a goal it implies having one mindset come on somebody so Paul here he's turning aside from all these other things and his goal his ambition in life what he's saying is he said I want Christ to be magnified in my body that is his ambition That is his goal, that he might be exalted in my body through my living and also through my dying. That He might be seen by others, that he might be seen. See, if I have this response and go ahead and cuss the man out, is Christ going to be magnified in that? Come on, y'all smarts. Y'all love Encounter Church. But if I go over here and I say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God says, well, just go ahead and humble yourself and offer the man a man. What? But my life is not my own, though. See, I, y'all don't hear me yet. My life is not my own. When I gave my life, when I stood crying, I surrender, ah! that was me. And the moment I wanna do things my own way, I, I, the moment that I say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, uh-uh. <laughs> Who are you talking to? My dad, he helped me with something. My dad was a humble man. And he told me, he said, I'm going to tell you what your problem is. I remember we was on a youth thing, and he built you up first. My dad, he'd he build you first, you know. He'd be like, yeah, look at you now. You're a youth pastor now. Oh, my baby, yeah, look at you. Yeah, look at you, ministering in the word now. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. But there's one thing you don't got. I said, Dad, what are you talking about? He said, oh, you don't got a God yet. He said, that's what Jesus had. He said, oh, you talk about the four different kinds of loves: the storge, the phileo, the eros. He said, but you don't got agape because agape is unconditional love. And he says the moment, because it was a man that was bothering me, he was obsessed with me. He was demonically possessed. And I'm telling you the truth. In my alliances, he was. And so my husband, okay, you got to hear this story. <laughs> I was married. And he said, you should have married me. And he would send me gold and stuff to the house. I mean, jury, this man's a melty man. And I would go tell my husband. My husband got mad one day. He just, this was a big old black man. My husband jumped in his face. Y'all heard me. And he was like, hey, bruh. He put the necklace on, Mark. You know, the necklace. He put it on that he had just brought me. He said, everything you give my wife is mine. <laughs> I said, go Pastor Steve. This one right here cracking up. My, lines, my, my sister cracking up. Ah, oh, Stephen! My sister falling out laughing. Because he was just in his face like this close, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, Mama, they are about to fight. Oh, Jesus, Mama, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Mama. Oh, Lord, Jesus, oh, my God. And Stephen just like, hey, man, everything you give my wife is mine. You see what I'm saying? You know, don't you don't talk to my wife no more. So he's, he's going off like that. Well, this man, you know. He just calms down. It's all nice and humble in front of everybody. But, you know, behind closed doors, I get the word that he going to have my husband jumped. <sighs> <sighs> oh, my God. I was so mad. I told my dad, I said, that said he did. If he, he a dead man now, he's going to have my husband jump. That's it. I know, I know some people I need to call right now, people that love me, save and don't save. He's going down. And then my dad said to me, I said, Dad, he like flies buzzing around my head. Just <laughs> I can't take it. Everywhere I go, you know, he there. He was following me. I mean, it was crazy. It was creepy. And my dad said, you know why you're going through this? I said, no, because I sure told him I can't stand him. I hate his guts, and I want him to leave me alone. ain't nothing I'm doing to encourage him to come after me. And my dad said to me, well, you know what, baby girl? Let me tell you something. He said, the reason why you're going through this test is because God wants to teach you something. And the moment you learn the lesson that God is trying to teach you, it will be over. He says, so you know what? God is trying to teach you agape that you would forgive. Forgive him. Remember, my life is not my own. I'm brought with a price. I say, I want want you to forgive him. Forgive him so so that God can deal with him. Because if you don't forgive him, God can't even deal with him. You are holding back the judgment of God because you have him in the cage. I was like, oh, my God, Jesus. So it took every hour. Because he said, he said, you know what your problem is? Flies. I said, I said, he's like flies. And he said, flies don't bother a dead man. Do you understand what he's telling me? what he's teaching me he said flies don't bother a dead man a dead man the fact that he's the fact that he's annoying me the fact that he's you know lying the fact that he's coming in and has this crazy alternate reality in his head it's bothering you so bad because you are still alive you are so much alive and so what my dad was telling me he said you know what you got to die to yourself You got to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So I'm saying, oh, my God. And he was right because the moment that I did what I'm talking about being obedient right now, the moment that that he that the Lord told me what I had to do, that I had to say, I forgive you. I forced myself to say it because my feelings, my feelings didn't want to say it. You know what I'm saying, Sister Edna? My feelings did not want to say it. So I had to force myself. I forgive you. I was going beyond, beyond my thoughts. It was beyond my natural ability. But I had to rely on the Holy Spirit because I knew that I had a destiny in God. I knew that I had a purpose to fulfill in God. I knew that I could not get stuck in this reality of stupidity and crazy nonsense. Come on, somebody. So, there he was, following me again. And I was at the mall. And I said his name. I said his name. And I said, hi, I forgive you. And it was over. The test was over. Because what God allows in your life, come on somebody. God allows something in your life to happen in your life that you don't even have no control. You're like, God, why am I going through this? Because God wants to work something out of you. He's allowing it to happen. Because he said, are you really mine? Just like he tested Job. Just like he tested Paul. Are you really mine? When you stood before the altar and you said, God, I surrender all. Was that just when I was doing good for you? Was that just when I was giving you stuff? Was that just when I was blessing you? But then now that the test comes, you want to go away. Sorry for screaming at you. I just get so excited. But it says here. It says in verse 21, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So as long as he lives, Paul is consumed with the concerns of God. He is consumed with getting people saved. He is consumed with, press, with, with spreading the gospel. Paul is consumed with the heart of God. And Paul says, if Paul dies... It says as long as, I, as long as he lives, Paul's going to be consumed. And then if Paul dies, he will be, the, be relieved from his suffering. That's what that means. And dwell with Christ. So either way, it's a win-win. If I live, I win because I'm giving, getting souls saved and I'm bringing souls to God. If I die, I win because I'll be with him. So either way, it's a win-win. Then it says here. It says but it, it says but if I live on in the flesh in verse 22, this will mean this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I c- cannot tell. So here in verse 22, it says flesh, the Greek word is that word S R A S-R-X, starts. It, it refers to this context in his physical body. And he's talking about the fruit, the fruit of the spirit. He's talking about, see somebody, and I say this a lot. I, I said this a few times for y'all. Some of y'all not, didn't, didn't hear it. Somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor Portia, somebody pray for me. I got all the fruit of the spirit. I was like, I, that didn't happen. Because fruit can only be grown. They may have prayed for you and you got the Holy Spirit, but God has got to design something, a fruit. He has to design long-suffering for you to get the fruit long-suffering. He got to design patience, a situation for the fruit of patience to grow in you. Somebody know what I'm talking about. He has to put you in a situation where you don't even want to love somebody, to, to that fruit of love to grow in you. So, the fruit Paul is talking about here, it says, if Paul continues his ministry, he is certain that he will see more Gentiles come to Christ. He believes that the gospel uh, b- will transform, they can be transformed by the spirit of the living God. And it says in verse 23, it says, for I am hard pressed between the two. I'm wondering here, I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Then in verse, in verse 23, to depart and to be with Christ, he was referring to dying. Sometimes you just want to die. Have you ever been in that much pain? A couple people, just God, just take me. So if you read on in Job, if you read in, in uh, chapter 3, I believe, he's just like, God is just better about it, just never was born. He was cursing the day he was born, but he would never turn that animosity against God. So to depart and to be with Christ refers to dying. So Christ's resurrection gives Paul hope in his death. And then in verse 24, it says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So to stay on in the flesh refers to remaining alive. Do you know, and it's important for you to understand this, that God has a plan for your life? Who knows that? That it wasn't just happenstance that you were born. That out of the millions of sperm that rushed to your father's body, you won. So you were born a winner. You were born to fulfill a destiny and a purpose. In, who knows what I'm talking about here? You, you were born because you have a purpose and you have a destiny. You have something that God wants you to do in this earth. All you have to do is recognize it. So Paul... He contemplates the alternatives. Should I live or should I die? And although he does not say it, he knows, which he doesn't really understand which one God is going to grant, if God's going to take him or if God's going to leave him. But he begins to feel that being, he's being called to remain in the world for our sakes, for somebody else. That goes back to my brother preaching that wonderful word again. Will you stay in a situation if it means... It will help somebody else. Oh God. It was more advantageous to go to be with the Lord for him. But then for the people, it was more advantageous or even more necessary for Paul to stay with them. So, progress, growth, and faith and overflowing joy, he talks about, is what he wants for them. What do you want for other people? How do you want them to be set free? How do you want them to be delivered? Huh. And in 25 it says, and being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all of your progress and joy and faith. Come on. The joy, somebody say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Say it again. I don't want to go through this life without the joy of the Lord. I don't want to just keep on going through the motions. I don't want to just come and do church. I don't want to do church. I forget the song. I wrote a song about this. But I don't want to do church anymore. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to do church anymore. I want to be the church. Provide me for your use, Lord. Paul. Job, they found something. Finally, Paul speaks here of wanting the, their joy in Christ Jesus. They're boasting. Look at that. To overflow the boasting. What do you brag about? I'm just going to tell you the truth. Can I tell you the truth and you not be mad at me? See, I, I, was, I wasn't there. Just, I wasn't here when this was written. Just look at this. Don't even look at my face. Come on, somebody. I wasn't there when it was written. Some people, they boast in their things that they have. They boast in their accomplishments. The scripture says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But Paul boasted in Jesus. He said, to me, for me to live is Christ. If, I, if you finish that sentence, what would you say? For me to live is, be honest. For me to live is my boyfriend. For me to live is my girlfriend. For me to live is my money. For me to live is my house. For me to live is my car. This is how you know you have things in the wrong place. You know you have things in the wrong place because if God allows that to be taken away from you, you about to lose your mind. If God allows your house to be taken away, how would you respond? Was it an idol to you? Was your car an idol to you? Was your jury an idol? Bazaar worship. you don't know what they did, though. not I don't care what they did. You were put here for a destiny. You were put here for an assignment. You were put here for a purpose. God has given you a vision. He has given you his vision, hopefully not yours. Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am bought with the price. I can't respond the way that everybody else responds. I can't do, brother, brother, I can't do it. I can't knock you in the face even though I think you might deserve it. Do you understand what I'm saying? that we are called, we are Christians. That means that we are to be Christ-like and the apostle Paul was trying to do that here. He was boasting in Jesus, he was boasting in the gospel and he said, the life, he said, to me to live is Christ. That is what life is all about to me. See, I can have nice things, but things don't have me. That means that if I get it taken away from me, then I'm not, oh God why did you allow it to happen <laughs> they didn't took my job you know how many times I've been fired I was well that means God has something better for me they underestimated who I was you don't even see yourself the way God sees you you crying and falling out about this little ranky-dank job and God wants to give you a job making six figures come on somebody Your vision has to be his vision. It has to be God. What do you want me to do? What what do you want me to say? How can I please you when this person is lying on me? I had to live this, y'all. I'm talking about I had to live this before I preach this. I was debating. I was debating, should I call this person that was lying on me, Lord? Should I call him and let him have it? Because, you know, just because I can't cuss, you know, as a Christian, you know, I was in debate. I'm going to, you know, and I can really cut him down low. Oh, I can make him, I can make him cry. Oh, I can get him good. When you start thinking like that, who that is? The devil. That's the devil talking to you like that. And You know what I do? Nine times out of ten, I call somebody that's gonna tell me what I don't want to hear, because I want to be saved, because I want people to see Jesus in me, because I want people to say, "Yeah, I know there's a God," because when you touched me, I was healed. I know there was a God because I was going through something, I was going through something, and you prayed for me, you prayed for me, and now I'm not no longer. The way that I want to live. I can't say what I want to say. I got to say what he wants me to say. So this week I called my brother Ralph again, the lawyer. I said, Brother Ralph, this is going on. And you know, I knew he was going to tell me. I knew he was going to tell me what I didn't want to hear. But I knew it was going to be the truth. And this is what he said. You can come to the piano. My, my mama, Marion said, you think that God was shocked when they lied on you? You think he went, oh, they lied on my Porsche.' You think he was shocked? But he knew. He knew what was going to happen to you. He knew what was going to happen, but he also knew that you was going to fight to have the right response. That and when you started having stuff taken away, that you was going to lay on the floor and worship. And he's going to say, look at my son. Look at my daughter. Look at that response. Devil, you didn't win against him. See, we want, go ahead and play. We want the power of God. We want the power of God. But we don't want the responsibility. We don't want to pay the price for it. What what is the price for the power of God? The price of the power of God is death to self. That's what he was saying to you. If I live, come on, whether I die, I want you to be glorified in my body. I want you to be glorified in what I say. I want you to be glorified in what I do. I want you to be glorified. I want my boast to be in Jesus. I want my boast to be in Jesus. Let your conduct be worthy. Look at verse 27, last verse. It says, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent from you that I may hear of your your affairs that you stand fast in the spirit. Come on, he's talking about standing together. He's talking about not letting disunity. Come on. He's talking about standing. He's talking oh, Come on somebody. Come on. He's saying get get a hold with your brother and your sister. Get a hold of them, touch them. Come on. Come on. Don't let division come between you. Come on. Fight for unity. Fight for unity. Fight for unity. Fight for unity throughout Paul's entire message he's bringing it back to unity conveys the main reason for writing Philippians to urge them to stand together in the gospel in the face of persecution in the face of suffering 127 a manner a manner Paul knows that the way of Christian a Christian should live is important to the witness of the gospel God, I don't want to make you ashamed. I don't want to make you ashamed. I want to stand firm. So Paul calls on the believers to remain faithful. I want you to remain faithful to God. I want you to remain, if you believe that this is the gospel, if you believe that this is the word of God, I want you to remain faithful. Faithful to the gospel message, to the word word and indeed. If you see me and I'm talking to you, and I'm a hypocrite because I'm talking to you one kind of way, then you see me cussing somebody out, beating them to a pole, you wouldn't listen to a thing I said. But if you see me in a situation when I could strike back, and I bow, I bow because Jesus bowed. I bow, I bow because Joe bowed. I bow because, come on, come, come on, Paul bowed. And I bow, and I get lower, and I get lower, and I get lower, and I get lower, because that's what he did. When I know I could win the fight. But I want to please him. I want to please him in my body. I want to please him with my tongue. Contending side by side, the believers need to band together as they struggle against hardship. As we struggle against persecution, if ever there was a time for us to come together, it's now. If ever there was a time for us, black people, white people, come on, brown people, red people, if there was ever a time for us to come together, it's now. If ever there was a time for us to fight against the vision, it's now. If ever there was a time because people need to see Jesus. They need to see unity. Christian unity. It's one of Paul's major concerns throughout his letter. So Paul may come back again. He says, you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to come back. That's the last part. He said, I don't even know if I'm going to come back. Or I don't even know if you'll see me again, basically. Come on. But when I hear about you, when I hear about you, when I hear about you, he says, he says, when I hear about you, I want to I hear good things, basically. Let's just go on. The greatest hindrance to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel right now has been the inconsistency of Christians. The gospel has its greatest influence when the lives of Christians commend it. And that gives us our special responsibility. Somebody say, you have a responsibility. Look at your neighbor and say that say I have a responsibility the Greek word translated conduct conduct yourself is the one from which our word politics come from the word that conveys the idea of fulfilling one's duty as Christians have the responsibility to live individually and corporately as heavenly citizens. Paul often speaks of the need to stand firm in the face of opposition and difficulty. I'm just going to stop there. That's enough. That's enough. Oh, I didn't know, Portia. This is what God told me. This is what God told me. He said, Portia, I didn't know it was about you. I thought it was about me. I thought me dying on the cross was about me. I thought it was about the wheel, you know, coming back with a church, a church without spot, a church without wrinkle. I'm coming back for an overcoming people. I'm coming back for a people that love not their lives unto the death. I'm coming back for a people that love not their own lives unto the death. I'm coming back that oh, for people that overcame by the butt of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. People that know how to go through something come on don't tell me you love Jesus and the first little thing that happened you ready to backslide can you please spare me of that church the first thing that happened well Pastor Borgia my husband is leaving me so I'm just going to go on out to the club what well he hurt me so I'm going to hurt him where is that in the Bible It's not, thank you. It wasn't in there when I looked at it. It wasn't in there. Come on, he said, said, you're brought with a price. Your life is not your own. You can't do something just because somebody else do something. You can't sin that was already tried in the garden. You can't do something just because, use it as an excuse to sin against God. I thought you, and it's amazing what people will give up Christ for. ain't went through nothing. Janet, they didn't go through nothing. And they telling me, Pastor you know, I just want to back. You don't even know. Look at the life of Job. Every single thing in his life, every person that he loved, taken away, all friends took it, turned against him, but he laid on the floor and he worshiped. Jesus. I'm going to tell you what happened. So the person was coming against me, lying on me, talking about me. I mean, wrote me this horrible letter. And all of a sudden, the next day, I just start saying, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I want to do. I'm going to respond the way you want me to respond. And he said, Portia, don't defend yourself. Called Brother Ralph. Ralph said, forgive him. You know what happened? I got a call from a prophet friend of mine. Out of the blue, that said, the man that is coming against you, God said, touch not my anointed. Do my prophet no harm. And God said that he's going to wither away on the inside. If he, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have came against you like that. But he says, you got to pray for him. see he was overtaken in a fault he was overtaken by a lion spirit so I I did like Job did I got on my knees and I said Jesus forgive him God forgive him God I need you to turn it around God I need you to do it come on somebody because you know why because the same measure of grace you give is the same measure of grace you're gonna receive and it ain't nobody here perfect ain't nobody here perfect we all live in glass houses the same measure of grace that you give Give somebody is the same measure of grace that is going to be given to you. So when you don't deserve grace, I I just make sure I give a lot of grace away because I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to do something stupid. But I'm like, God, thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to say what you want me to say. God, forgive him. God, turn it around. God, turn, make him see who you really are. God, have mercy on his soul. Because I want somebody to pray like that for me. Come on, somebody. Whatever you give is what you're going to get back in return the Apostle Paul understood he understood that his life was not his own oh god I gotta stop I'm going on I'm I'm, gonna calm down I'm just I'm just so excited about it because God showed it to me. He said, Portia, the reason why you was going through what you're going through is because I need for you to be a witness for somebody else. I need for you to be an example for somebody else. I need for you to show them how to worship when when they're going through hell. Come on, you're not singing for me. You're not raising your hands for me. Come on, you're not dancing for me. You're worshiping him because you want God to be glorified. In your body. So whatever comes my way, come on, stand on your feet. I'm gonna keep talking. Whatever comes my way, whatever happens, God, let me be glorified. Let me let me die to myself and you be glorified in my body. Christ be glorified. Christ be glorified. Christ be glorified. Christ, be glorified. Come on, right now, whoever you gotta forgive, start talking right now. God, I'ma do what you want me to do. I'ma say what you want me to say. Come on, I realize that I'm bought with a price. God, I realize that my life is not my own. God, I realize that I'm gonna pray what you want me to pray. I'ma do what you want me to do. God, even if they don't deserve it, they don't deserve it. I don't deserve your grace and your mercy this altar calls for you who heard this message you say Pastor Portia I feel like you was talking directly to me I want you to get out of your seat just come up here right now because we're going to pray this prayer I'm going to let you go home Come on, come on come on I can forgive them
1: they lied on me
0: they talked about me they did me wrong I wasn't even planning on preaching this message come on I wasn't even planning on it I was like oh no somebody else gonna preach that one and God said no you're gonna preach it come on and I had to look back God I can let it go now I can let it go now come on what my husband said what my wife said what my children said what my uncle said what my auntie said what my brother said God I can let it go now I can let it go now come on what my ex-wife did what my what my husband did I can let it go now because I understand that I have a destiny and a purpose I understand that I have to have a different response I understand God I have a different response the response that pleases you I gotta have a response that pleases you are you gonna keep letting it happen to me till I get my lesson done? And I don't want it to keep on going. There it is. Come on. Freedom is happening right now. 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 Is happening right now. Is happening right now. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit encounterjesus.us. Or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.